You're looking a bit... A little bit weary these days. Need something to take the edge off. Need a little bit of that, that purple stuff, huh? Weed? Nah, man. Shimmer. <laughs> <laughs> we are couch theater, right, Raph? I don't know what we are. Most of the time, I wake up and I don't know who I am. Who am I, Sam? Raph's identity crisis aside, we are the Couch Theater, and today we're going to be talking about a TV show that you might may have heard of. It's called Arcane. Not Arcana, not Arcanum, not Arcan, Arcane. League of Legends, yes, we're catering to a specific type of people maybe today. Uh, I think that a lot of people have seen this. It's been popping the Netflix charts. I'm more worried about whether people will get our League of Legends reference jokes. We'll try to keep that to a minimum, I suppose. My first question. Jinx, AD carry or assassin? Alright, let's shelve that topic completely. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. Like, every single scene that she pops out, she pops out like a Zed. I'm just saying. This is not the video game. So, these characters do not fall, have to fall into any particular archetypes, and they can just be themselves. Mm-hmm. As the long and short of that. Right on. Um, do you want to break this into arc? Do you want to talk about each character? Do you want to talk about different plot lines? I feel like the best structure for us is probably to do it by arc, and then go on side random tangents about a specific character. There will be random tangents. Cannot avoid random tangents. <laughs> Welcome to the Random Tangents <laughs> podcast. That's honestly what we should have called ourselves. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do my production gush at the start so that we can not talk about production stuff while we're talking about the plot. I am in love with this animation. I don't know if I've ever seen anything quite like it. I did only the bare bones amount of research to really just ignore everything I'm about to say. But... I'm pretty sure this is not 3D animation. It's like some combination of like that 3D rendering versus it actually being drawn, which is why it took so long to make this. I think it took like six or eight years or something like that. There were, there were other problems, but it took so long because, partly because of how intensive the animation is. And it looks, it's got that like, you know, you, you've seen the League cinematics, like they always have this like, this, their specific brand of animation. And there's a, a little bit of that. It's, it's a bit different from that. And just, it's the little things, man. Like, my favorite moments in the show are the, the, the tiny micro-expressions that the characters make. Anytime it happens, it's it's weird, but it actually completely throws me out of the show. And I have to, like, just pause and go back and look at it again and just be impressed that, like, you know, while Vi is talking to Milo, she's, like, bobbing her head and that, like, weird, sassy thing people do. And the way her face is moving, I'm just like, who did this? Who did this? <laughs> it's extremely impressive. I am quite impressed. It is good animation. (laughs) I guess you didn't. Animation did not register for you at all. No, it it definitely registered. I I liked it. Um, I just don't have anything to add. I thought the walking at times was a little bit funky. It threw me off because everybody feels like they're walking like they're the main character. Everyone's the main character in their own own story. It's more of the attitude of the walking that I'm pointing out. But yeah, I mean, you have a bunch of, for all intents and purposes, very. Egotistical people. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, a lot it, of ego. It's a it's bit a... much when you have like 10 different characters all walking egotistical, but... Fair enough. Walking isn't something I actually noticed. I was more focused on like their facial expressions. Um, I, I guess you could also talk about sound. This one did not have the doing problem of being too loud. <laughs> Probably partially because it's on my laptop instead of in a cinema. But um, while I liked the songs, I did think that... It was a bit weird and sometimes off-putting when like that scene where suddenly Imagine Dragons is there and they're literally quote-unquote live performing and I'm like, this is cool, but there's a story to tell. Why are you doing this? <laughs> I guess minor gripes there, even though it was cool overall. Yeah, I have most of the songs now on my Spotify, but they were not necessarily the most applicable to, to certain scenes. Yeah, I mean... Not always. Especially when it was just, like... The best example is, like, the episode... I want to say seven, The Boy Savior. It starts off with this, like, random rap thing. Which, again, cool. But also, like, how is this relevant to what's happening in the story? And then, in the Echo and Jinx fight, it's, like, very cool. But also, like, 
Like the tone actually changed for a solid 30 seconds there. So you could do this thing. And then everything went back to normal. And again, sequence in and of itself, I have watched too many times. I'm like, this is so cool. But in terms of telling a story, I have to wonder if that was the best choice. <laughs> you have, well, <laughs> was it a story or was it marketing? <laughs> I, I the guess. League of Legends music community is huge. There's, I mean, there's we, huge money. We all in know that, that Riot, Riot Games is just like a music video company masquerading as a video game company. Anyway, I'm done my gushing now. We can actually talk about the plot. Arc one. Let's talk about Arc one first. Uh, I, I prefer to start with Act two. Oh really? <laughs> the first episode was okay. I think that they were very smart to release this in three episode chunks, because. After the first episode, I probably would have watched it anyway because I played League of Legends. I like watching fantasy, so I would have kept going. But I could definitely, you get to the end of the first episode and they didn't really feel like there was a hook or a drive or anything pulling you to the next episode as opposed to episode three. Oh my God, <laughs> I need to see more. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty surprised with how mature the dialogue felt. Uh, Vander and Vi, the discussion was, you know, with great power comes great responsibility kind of thing or... You are older than the other kids and stuff, but the way it was communicated through Vi and Vander seemed very seamless um, and seemed very genuine. Like it seemed like it was a natural discussion, uh, but also deep discussion. The mul- multiple ones with Vander and Vi, like throughout the arc one, was good. Yeah, the the world felt lived in. The characters felt like real people. You know, you start and you immediately dropped into the scenario where they're trying to rob someone based on information they've gotten from the past, which, like, already immediately you're like, this place has existed before this show started, you know? And the conversations they're having are often, you know, there's often subtext of things that have happened in the past. Yeah. That this is not necessarily um, showing you. So, yeah, it definitely felt very robust. Yeah, and because, like, uh, the last discussion Vander and Vi really have is at the bridge, right? And they're discussing... Vi thinks they need to take action about what's going on. And Vander, you know, is playing this this game of deals and he doesn't want things to escalate. And you think the story is going to go towards violence right right off the bat. But, you know, Vander made some really interesting points that actually, like, affected Vi personally. Like, he talks about his her parents and stuff like that. Like, it felt like a very emotional scene that instead of just saying there's a right answer, it said that it's a complex answer, right? The life is not simple. No matter what you do in life, there's consequences. We'll talk about more about that later, but... And a a lot of it, too, is he's he's gone through this before. He has literally done the thing that Vi is trying to do, and he's like, yo, this doesn't end well for anyone. Mm. Uh, So, yeah. One thing I found I was doing a lot in the first arc was looking for Easter eggs. I thought when they mutated that rat, I thought that was Twitch. I remember you thinking that. <laughs> and <laughs> when I saw Mel, I was like, Nidalee? What? <laughs> I don't know. I just assumed every character was going to be someone special. really blew the show. <laughs> I thought the mage that Jay saw when he was young. Yeah. First, I was like, Bryce? And then he turned really big and like became bigger than the world. And I was like, Aurelian Soul? <laughs> You didn't have that problem. I did not have that problem at all. I think I sort of viewed it the same way I viewed their cinematics, right? Like, when they release a cinematic, I expect one or two characters at most. I expect them to try and focus and fully flesh out the story, because if you just put 120-some odd characters in these nine episodes, you're going to have a lot of nonsense <laughs> and nothing happening. Though, I kept looking for for Singed, because cause they were kept doing Chemtech-type stuff. I kept thinking, Singed's going to be here. And it turned out he was there. Josh, our friend, who might be listening. Hello, Josh, if you are. (laughs) And his name may or may not be Josh. There's a lot of Joshes in this world. (laughs) Keeping confidentiality. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He was looking for Swain the entire time because of all the ravens that kept showing up. I think they were just ravens, but it might have been... In the end, Noxus did somewhat show up, so maybe it was Swain. Also, I thought Mel's mom was Elawi. She sounded like that. It, it might I, be the I, same I voice looked actor. it up. It's not the same voice actor, but okay. the moment she started talking, I was like, is that Elawi? Because that sounds like Elawi. Um, I didn't think the character was Elawi. I just thought it was the same voice actor as Elawi. 
I was, yeah, I was so not confused, though. I was like, you're supposed to be in Bilgewater, <laughs> not Noxus. She was so... I love that guy. That guy that <laughs> we've gone already to Oh, we've three. gone. Look, you know what you signed up for when you turn on this podcast. <laughs> I will be as brief as I can be. She's freaking awesome. It's She's this weird point between, like, Mel, I don't like Mel. But she's worse than Mel in terms of what's going on for the plot. But because she's so unapologetically herself... I am just in love with everything she does. <laughs> Alright, back to Act 1. I think Act 1, it was the most caricature, like each character was more of a caricature than anything else. Not that they were badly written or anything, but I know, I remember coming out of Act 1 thinking that while the animation, the sound, everything, all the production of it had been great and I loved it, the story itself was not really pulling me off. Well, until it got to the end. <laughs> the story itself wasn't pulling me, and especially the characters felt very cardboard cut up. This is the old grizzled veteran that, you know, has seen hard stuff and he doesn't want to do that anymore. This is the uh, young rebel, mm. hot-headed person. This is the kind of sweet little, but maybe a little bit damaged sister. These are the friends. You know, this is the, like, evil guy who's trying to take me. I mean, being realistic, if I wanted to reduce every single character to some caricature, I could, but it did feel more like that. In the first couple of episodes, and then they it definitely fleshed out more. Yeah, well, so it is the first arc, and in like story writing, there's people tend to sometimes follow a three arc structure. Not everyone, but some tend to write, which is arc one is introducing the problem. So I felt like League of Legends here, Arcane, sorry, <clears throat> was taking three episodes to introduce the problem. Right, it's in the back. It's the, in the back story. You're not necessarily going to see, there's, people are making uh, actions, people are making decisions and stuff, but you're not going to see too much of the character conflicts flesh out right now, because it's all about introducing the characters. Yeah. It makes it, sense. It also, I mean, just in terms of writing a TV show, you need touch points. Yeah. Like, if I start, it's, you can write about human beings on Mars, you can write about Martians on Earth. You can write about human beings on Earth. You cannot write about Martians on Mars because no one knows what you're talking about. Kind mm. of uh, so even though the characters felt like caricatures, it was probably a little bit necessary just to like have something familiar to get you into the, yeah. into the tone setting. I think the first arc is actually still my favorite. I'm debating. I don't know if uh, if I like three more. Two was definitely my least favorite. But I think the first arc had the most... It introduced the problem, like you said, and it... So, like, the, that problem is what carried you through to episode three, and it, that problem, quote-unquote, resolved. I mean, it didn't really resolve, but it, yeah. for all intents and purposes, it could have resolved there. Well, episode three is my favorite, for sure. Yeah. Without going too much into each character, like, one thing I really enjoyed about Jinx in that was her mess-up. Man, she really jinxed that. Like It hurt my soul, man. Like, that last, like, 15 minutes... Was painful. The idea of killing your own friends accidentally, like, ah, uh, not that. That's the whole thing. This and it sets up the whole problem, right? Your your actions do have consequences. Jinx is trying to help, and she doesn't listen, and she tries to do things her own way because she thinks she knows she can save them. And without realizing like fully what she's doing, she accidentally kills them instead. That that broke my heart. Yeah, especially because I didn't. I wasn't predicting it, so. I mean, in general, I'm not the type of watcher who's, like, trying to actively predict anything while I'm watching. I usually just sit there and watch it. But usually, you've seen enough TV shows, you have general ideas of where it's going. I was not expecting that. Like, when she takes the, the Hextech the Hextech gems, when she takes the gems and um, goes there, I, the entire time I'm thinking, is she going to screw this up? If she is, how is she going to screw this up? How are they going to recover from it? I, I was just sort of, like, trying to think about what what was going to happen. And then when she released the little chopper thing and she put three in there, that is too, too much. Take those out. This is going to go really bad. And then Clagger busts out. Like, they were free. They were, they were out. Clagger I had just broken into the wall. Milo had just uncuffed Vander. You know, Vi was still holding the guy back. And right there, right before everything hit the fan, I was like, this is going to go so wrong. And then it went so wrong. And just, it was so painful to watch. Oh, sucking. And then when she showed up with Vander Dead, and it's just like all the snot crying, like not not cute crying. This is some real ugly crying. And uh, I felt so bad for both of them because I understand why Vi like slaps her and walks away. 
But I'm also like, no, Vi, you can't do that. That's your sister. You can't. You can't. But I also, I'm like, I feel for Jinx feeling betrayed. I feel for Vi. And then Vi tried to come back. And then freaking Marcus, uh, I was, oh my God, that episode was painful. <laughs> That's a sign of good storytelling. Yeah. When you can understand the decisions the characters make and you feel for all the characters that are making these decisions and you just see it play out and go to ruin. Rough stuff. Yeah. We can talk about the upper, like, yeah. Jace and, and... It was a lot of very basic scene setting. It's like, you know, Jace has got the... Uh, they didn't introduce them to episode two, right? Yeah. And they showed Jace's backstory with uh, having been saved by mysterious... Rise. Like, man. Rise. Or Faker. <laughs> we, we don't know. Uh, I'm sure Faker made a show up in the show. No, uh, I don't think it was Rise, only because... Um, he wasn't blue or purple, whatever color rises. I'm colorblind, so I'm going to think it's rice. <laughs> All right. Also, he was using Hextech, and rice just uses magic. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, we can probably talk more about the top side yeah. on the second arc. Yeah. yeah. Want to transition to arc two, then? Sure. Let's transition to arc two. A transition, because, you know, we've definitely been talking about act one this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Arc um, 2. This was the politics that. So I will say this is my least favorite arc because of two things. A, I actually don't really care too much about Chase's plotline. That, that's one thing I say was a feeling of the show is I was not invested in most of what was happening topside. I might be misremembering something, but I don't think those plots really converged at all till Act 3. They felt very separate for the most part until Act 3. And I didn't care about what Chase was doing. And I liked Victor, but I also could have done without Victor. And what? Heimerdinger was very disappointing in this show. Heimerdinger is the best. You take that bad. Did you actually like anything his character did? Yeah. Like what? I uh, Do you want me to get into it right now? What is the purpose of this okay. podcast? <laughs> Heimerdinger. So one, I really liked his dialogue with other characters I thought he was interesting that I get it he's a little bit one-dimensional in the sense a little bit in the sense that he's against the use of magic and he's against quick progress dangerous un unchecked progress but he definitely contributes and he needs to exist for the fleshing out of the theme okay with the theme about helping quickly versus steady progress and I think he definitely had his place there. I understand what he's doing narrative-wise, but for the most part, he shows up and says, no, don't do the magic, and then leaves. And he's like, this professor presumably helped Fountain Piltover, and he actually doesn't do anything. He never even helps out. He's never even like, oh, that's really interesting. Have you tried this? Even one or two lines where he's just like, try doing this or try doing that would show you that, okay, this guy is actually intelligent. And he's actually helping these people. Instead, most of the time, he just shows up and says, ah, magic, ah, and then walks away. Ah, please, no, not the magic, well, and he leaves, and I'm just like, Okay, ah. let me <laughs> describe the problem that I think League of Legends Arcane <clears throat> is talking about. Mm -hmm. I think one of the huge themes is about, I don't have good words for it, I'm going to call it action versus waiting, okay? But waiting is not necessarily inaction. So, you just mean patience versus impatience? I think it's more than that, but so the way I see it is there's once there's a set of characters who believe in doing something now because of an injustice, okay, or because of a need for it. So Victor is, he's clinically ill yep. and he needs immediate help, so to speak, in his lifetime, right? There's a war, there's injustices between Zahn and Piltover. And Vi wants immediate resolution of this through violence, mm -hmm. right? And in the other side, you have people like Vander, who wants to turn a blind eye, so to speak, to some of these injustices for the sake of peace right now. So that in general, most people can be okay. And similarly, to a worse extent, Heimerdinger represents that you know, caution of science. You, if you don't know what you're doing, right, somebody like Jinx could come and steal these things and do damage with it. By the way, just a quick note, like, that's how 
the season ends, right? In arc three, Jinx takes that stuff that she, those are art hex tech material gems and shoots, right? And that's all because Victor and, and Jace did not heed Heimerdinger's warning, right? Is it though? It is. It is because they chose to fast track their progress and they were, they were a little careless with the gems, right? And it got stolen. That's Heimerdinger's point. And to his... Is that Heimerdinger's point? Yeah. Heimerdinger's point is that if you're not careful with it, it can, one, it can wound up badly because you, you don't know what you're tinkering with. Two, it could end up in the wrong hands. So, two points to that. One, Heimerdinger's point at the start is magic bad. It's not, we need to be careful with how we introduce this magic. It's, don't do magic. And then Jake goes for and does magic anyway. And then Heimerdinger's like, okay, you've done the magic, and it's actually great. Now, be more careful with your magic. And then they're not as careful with their magic. And then Jinx steals the gems, which is mostly just a failure of their security detail rather than a Jace failure. But also, what's Heimerdinger doing? How is he helping this problem? It's not enough for you to just show up and say, hey, be careful. Offer some solution, some advice. Do something other than say, no, don't do it. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I'm going to say that he represents a failure, okay? And that, that that's why he exists there. So... Whereas Vander, I thought, was a good representation of the side of, of erring on the side of caution, of playing the waiting game a little bit, right? Um, Heimerdinger slipped into a what I will call complacency. There are things going on. People do need medical help. The science progresses that they're making can help people, right? And he isn't re- realizing the injustices that currently exist and he's come into a place of complacency. And that's the, the heating against him. So, whereas, you know, Jace and Victor were too fast, we also see that Heimerdinger slipped into com- complacency of not of not recognizing the real troubles that existed in today, right now, right? And for the record, I think the reason why he viewed magic as bad, if we go over the episode again, I'm pretty sure it was because he was afraid it's too much power. He was afraid of the power that he, people... He's afraid of the Rune Wars. Yeah. Which is like League of Legends lore. Magic, brand, root rise, all this stuff. Magic, bad. Like, that's what he's afraid of. But that's context I have before the show. In the show, it's like in the first act, he's completely flat. He just says magic, bad, doesn't really give a good explanation. I need to kind of reach to understand what you're talking about you're not actually presenting it to me but they show they show visuals of like something that happened in the past yeah right? but like it, you, you gotta communicate man <laughs> you it, can't just say magic bad and people be like well this great things happen you have to communicate you have to say why it's bad and that's what he's, his character is failing to do the entire time explain anything to anyone he's well, just showing up and saying magic bad no he explained it he explained that when I'm pretty sure he explained it in the first arc that there was, like, the, it, there's too, it's too much power. And in the second arc, I remember on Progress, I think it's the episode Progress Day, I remember him saying to Victor and Jace that, like, this could end up in the wrong hands if we're not careful. So, in terms of the first arc, he shows up um, and he tells Jace to, that magic can be controlled, can be harnessed by science, it's, you know, wild, too much, don't, yeah. tr- don't try. He doesn't even say... It's bad that if you have this one power, it just says flat out, this cannot be done. And then he walks away. He does not provide any more context than that. That's the first discussion. And then in the second half in progress day, they've made the little laser etching thing and Vice Future Gauntlets. I think they're called the Atlas Gauntlets. And he shows up and he's like, hey, these things are great, but also kind of dangerous. Good point. I would counterpoint that. Where have you been while they've been developing this Heimerdinger? He's busy. He's doing what? <laughs> huh? Doing what? That's my problem. It's not that I can't infer some things that he has been doing, but like I'm sitting there watching him. His character is continually just being flat for me. I'm like, do something to make me care about what you're saying. Don't just well, be the negative Nancy. Well, the, I think the, the two things that I would argue back up against that mm-hmm. was that Heimer has taken on a role of more like overseeing things, right? Because he is the founder, you know, he has a lot of stuff to do. We don't see it all, but like clearly he comes in and he tries to give a person a report or he tries to tell them this, how, like how they're doing. Right. And then goes on and manages something else. Yeah. And 
Heimerdinger has to exist for this to flesh out in a more complex way because, again, you're right, he has become complacent. Because of all the like work that's required for him to run Piltover, he's become in a place where he's a little bit uh, oblivious to certain things that are happening and, and he's not acting. Yeah, he needs to exist for that to play it for this theme to play out, though. I'll do two, th- two things and then we can wrap this up so we okay. don't spend an hour talking about Heimerdinger. <laughs> uh, is I would contrast him to Vander, who I also think I do not agree with Vander's inaction, but I understand his inaction. They gave me just a little bit from the prologue, a little bit seeing his coordination with the enforcers, and without too much, I understand where he's coming from. I don't agree with him, but I understand it, I get it. And that's what's missing for Heimerdinger for me. It's that I'm being told things. But I, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing him be the character that this thing, the plot's trying to tell me is. That's my problem with it. Second thing, take Heimerdinger out of this story. Just pull him out. Do you think Act 1 and Act 2 do not play out the exact same way? I haven't actually done this thought experiment now, but I'm just thinking about it now. I think the plot plays out the same way. It does definitely not. Walk me through it. Jace is experimenting. Uh-huh. They steal the, the gems, and that's what gets him basically in front of the council. Regardless of whether or not Heimerdinger shows up to tell him, don't do magic, he's going up in front of the council. Um, what we're missing there is the context of, this might be dangerous, but I think the show is telling us this might be dangerous in a lot of other ways. Like when Victor releases the thing and does the etching of the metal with his laser thing, I look at that and I'm here like, that's dangerous. That is extremely dangerous. I don't need a character telling me magic back to understand that's dangerous. Yeah, but... So the two things I would say is Jace, Jace's emotional complexity is partially, mostly produced from Heimerdinger, oh. and and Jace actually decided not to announce new technologies when he was giving his speech, okay. which is actually because of Heimerdinger. I guess I'll clarify. Experiment is not what literally in the plot did Heimerdinger do, but can you take Heimerdinger, the character, away from this story and still accomplish the exact same thing, hit the same tonal beats? I think that when you take him out, you can still have a complex chase because he's still being pulled with politics versus Victor. Victor, his partner who's trying to do pure science, and politics that's trying to pull him away. You can still have Victor talking about releasing all these things immediately and him have a moment to be like, this is kind of dangerous. You can do that without Heimerdinger. That, you can 100% hit that same po- beat without Heimerdinger. No, because politics would agree and did agree with advancing technology faster. Yes, I'm saying the character of Jace would actually be better if you didn't just have people talking at him constantly you can have the character realize something and be like this is kind of dangerous and pull back you don't need Heimerdinger there the character of Heimerdinger is not necessary to achieve the same character beat with Jace uh, you can sure, certainly have conflict but I, it is amplified through Heimerdinger I think he barely does any application alright we will move on <laughs> let us know what the comments who do you agree with Rah! Or Sam. Blah. Anyway, what else do you want to talk about? Because <laughs> we managed to talk for 32 minutes about not the main characters of this show. <laughs> um, Arc 2. What else happened in Arc 2? Caitlin was alright. Caitlin was very alright. I liked her in Act 3. Act 2, she was no toast. Well, yeah, because I didn't think she fit into the themes that were being, or problems that were being brought up. Well, less so in Act 3, I guess, but more so in Act 2, because, like, whereas everyone's more dealing with, like, this issue about what, how does Zon exist with Piltover, what actions need to be taken, or we're dealing with science and we're seeing, like, what actions need to be taken at what pace do we go. Caitlin is like, I'm a rich girl and I want to be respected for my rifling skills. Sorry, I know that sounds real bad. She's a better character than that. But, like, in comparison to, like, what Jinx is going through and Vi and, and Jason Victor. Um, all right. Now it's my turn to play uh, character defender. <laughs> um, so I agree. Act 1, she's useless. She doesn't accomplish a single thing. Act 2 is where she starts and stuff, but even then I don't like her too much. Um, I think by Act 3, what you're getting from her is, whereas Jace is being, like, thrust into this position. But Jace is kind of, even though he grew up in Topside, he's still kind of a... You know, he's a hustler. He's, his, par- his parents aren't that rich and all this stuff, so he's still he's still trying to get ahead, and mm-hmm. he's being pulled in that direction. You have Victor, someone from the other side, doing their thing. 
Kaylin is like basically a part of the system. Her parents are rich. Mm. She's got everything hand to her. And she's basically one of the few topsiders we see who is extremely topside, but gets to experience what underside is and sort of have that, that veil lifted from mm. her eyes of, oh, this is pretty bad. And she's the only character who's genuinely trying to come to a resolution that doesn't involve blowing a bunch of people up. So she wasn't doing a whole lot in the show. I mean, but I think that she did. I think she served way more purpose than I'm doing. you. <laughs> Agree to disagree. Uh, You're right. She, I, she definitely shows a purpose and she shows that rich people are not bad. Yeah. I, I will agree with that. But it's just her own personal character development is about... I'll say this. I want to be respected. I'll say this about Act 2. Act 2 was the one where I felt like things were poorly paced the most. So Jace um, becomes part of the council. He becomes head of the council. He unleashes a bunch of decrees. Uh, Caitlin is a sheriff. Then she's not hired. Then she goes and releases Vi. Then she becomes best friends with Vi. And all this happens like the span of like two days. And I'm like, hold on, guys. Calm down. Uh, when Marcus was like reporting something to him, and Jace was like writing papers or making decisions. I'm like, you've been, you've had this job for less than 24 hours, man. It didn't even need to be that. Like, he could have just said, and a week has passed. And this thing, I'm like, there's no reason why this needed to happen the next day. You really could have stretched that plot out without, unless I'm forgetting something, without damaging anything else. I, I agree. Uh, it probably just wanted to drive home the idea of, like, Jace wanting action. Mm-hmm. Jace wanting to get things done. Like, he represents that, in this theme on problem about the pacing of, of progress, he's the one who wants to advance progress as much as possible. He's willing to make that change. He's that young, kind of young-spirited person. Vise kind of represents him in the underworld. One thing I, I liked was the relationship between Jinx and Silco. Did you like that? I found watching that extremely uncomfortable because it was walking a line. When she like jumps on his lap and stuff, I'm like, you guys are watch- walking a line right now, and I don't know if you're going to cross it, and it's making me very uncomfortable right now. <laughs> UK. Yeah. Well, that aside, <laughs> I like that he had control over her, because she's damaged. She's not in a great place. You can see his control over her, but at the same time, you see that he cares for her. And as it plays out, you see Jinx taking more control, at least over him. Not... Not emotionally, but taking over, taking control and power, trying to, through, through you know, violence and stuff. I kind of felt that it was mostly just, like, act on act three was him just losing control of Jinx. I didn't, I didn't think, like, she gained any more respect from him or mm. anything like that. I just felt like, at the start of act two, he probably, at that point, would have done anything for Jinx anyway. Like, he had already reached yeah. that point in their relationship, but just Jinx was more under control. And then Vigas released and all the stuff that's happening, and she just unravels more and more. He has less and less control over her. Yeah. Uh, it's just interesting, because, like, yeah, a person who's damaged like that, you know, and a smart Silco guy, right, can definitely say the right words, say the right things, even though I know that he actually cares about Jinx. That's, that's shown in Arc 3. I mean, you can care about someone and still be a manipulative and still, person. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So that's what I thought was interesting, right? Do yeah. you want to touch on, as briefly as possible, because we are not healthcare professionals, the portrayal of Jinx's uh, mental unstableness? Uh, she should definitely see a psychiatrist. But she So the way I saw it, she had, like, what props of, of her old friends, right? Yeah. And that, what I thought was interesting, they're not just pointing to her relationship with Jinx, uh, sorry, Vi. They actually use these dead side characters as like, she felt that. She, she still in a way wants them to be alive. She still in a way does not accept that they're dead. So she has props of them and she's talking to them. I took Psych 101 and I did take Psych 102, I think. Huh. That's, so, that's impressive. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure someone handed me a PhD somewhere. <laughs> but I'd say at some point after Psych 102, they just handed you the PhD. They're like, you're pretty good at this. <laughs> <laughs> you are really good at multiple choice, Samuel. <laughs> um, I'm more positive, positive on it now. 
I play League of Legends. I knew what we were going to get. I knew we were going to get Jinx go a little bit insane. But Saranac 2, I was kind of like, you're, you, you're kind of really insane right now. And I'm not sure where this is coming from. And I was worried it was a bit of like, even now I'm still like, it's a bit stereotypical. She's definitely got schizophrenia. She's definitely bipolar and probably a whole host of other things happening there. And it's like, that's a lot. I, I, I recognize that. I recognize that I could not possibly understand the trauma of having killed your friends and, and then being, and then being by abandoned your by your sister and then being raised by a manipulative asshole. But I'm still like, did we not get here a little bit too quickly? Are you not just a little bit too off the wall right now? But as I watch it more, I mean, it's kind of fun. I do visually the way they portrayed I enjoyed I was just like worried yeah. about like what, what they were really saying with that yeah. but when we got to the end I sort of backtracked and I feel like she's not actually at, I mean she's definitely has a lot of problems but she's not actually almost like she uses that insanity as a like a, a mask which made me feel a little bit better about it yeah and they didn't be stagnant with her it's not like here she's crazy and damaged she's got damaged written on her forehead <laughs> she's got a joker ha 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 written on his chest he's he's damaged i'm referring to the jared leto's joker anyhow how you know if the character's damaged if they don't tell you that they're damaged on their forehead <laughs> um no, she, yeah, she wasn't stagnant because through it all, she saw Vi and she actually had what I felt was like uh, an acceptable, a fairly realistic reaction to Vi. She didn't just go out straight hating her. She was actually like, well, she's back. And and with Silco too, um, he took her to the waters where he was almost drowned, right? And he gave her a new sense of confidence or whatever it was. Uh, my mind's slipping, but... And she didn't feel stagnant in the I'm damaged and crazy. Yeah. Um, there were a couple of wild moments, like when she walked up to the bartender and you know, put the, the, the bomb on his back or whatever. Just random moments of, Jinx is crazy. And I was like, that's it. Didn't be that. <laughs> you know who we haven't talked about? And who is, unironically, actually my favorite character in this entire show? Victor. No. Savika. <laughs> what? That, champion, that person needs to be made a character like right now. Did you not love Savika? I did. She's just, again, I am a big fan of people who are just unapologetically themselves. They're just, this is what I'm about, and I'm extremely competent at it. I don't know. She's awesome. End of story. That's all I have to say. Yeah, they uh, they teased her in the third episode at the end of arc one, and he's like, Silco's like, no, don't do anything yet. Mm -hmm. And then in arc two, she was, she was good. Arc three, I think it was when she decided not to kill Silco, or like when she like killed the other bad guys. I don't know yeah. what to call that. Like um, backstab. The Cam Barons. It was a definitely a front slice. Double cross. Double cross. Yeah. yeah, that was that made her really interesting to me. Yeah, um, I, I appreciate that she was not an idiot. And when he started like trying to bait her to betray him, she was like immediately like, "Is this your play? Like you're playing against my ego?" Like. I appreciate that we didn't have to go through that very cliche trite. Oh, he's going to tell her something that was definitely obvious the entire time. And she's going to start doubting. Um, I also, actually, what I really loved about that scene was when she, even though Silco's the entire time talking about loyalty and whatever, when she slices Silco's face, like the way he crouches down and how terrified he looks, it's like, he talks a big game, but like in that moment, he actually did not know if he was about to die. Yeah. And he was terrified to die. Um, I just like, I like those humanizing moments for him that don't make him this like, cold, distant, like, completely manipulated, everything is under yeah. control kind of guy. It's like, things are falling apart, but he's still, he's still the guy who, you know, built up the underground, yada, 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 yeah. all that stuff. Um, Mel. Hater. What? 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 Go what? on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's all I got. She, I don't know, she's, political interest, intrigue is all she, that's her thing. She pushes and prods and, like, manipulates people. And, I mean, she's good at it, but she's not even that good at it, so... Are, really? I thought she was fantastic at it. I think she wasn't fantastic at it because she pushed and prodded and it completely went out of her control. By act, middle of act two, she's not in control of Jace. Jace is in control of the situation. Come on, if you were a true political schemer, you would be top dog right now. Well, she doesn't seek... 
I, that's I the thing. Know, I She's know. not a schemer. We're not She's talking just... about Act Three yet. Remember this is the Act Two. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was really good because without being antagonizing, without being pushy and and stuff, she was able to get her viewpoint across, and she was able to get people to accept her viewpoint with understanding who she's talking to, right? Very little things, like when uh, she needs to buy time for Victor and Jason, the first arc, to do their experiment. There's a guard coming by. She, like, talks to him. It's, like, super easy, barely an inconvenience. Damn. <laughs> but she does it well. And then with the whole thing with Jason politics, you know, that's a part of that turning the blind eye that I was talking about, like... You're letting, you're purposely going to let certain people, rich people, take advantages of the situation that other poor people cannot. But she, she explains the, the how it works and stuff, and she does it well. You're not wrong. I just don't like Mel. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Though well, her face, the little sparkle things on her face with the hair stuff, looks very good. Okay. I like that character design. I just don't like the character. Okay. <laughs> Arc three. Yep, arc three. Oh, wait, um, we didn't even talk about the fireflies or Echo. I mean, I saw them and I was like, that's Echo. Okay. That, that was really the end of the story. One little thing. I'm not going to talk about the arc because it was like, eh, fine. But did they mess up Echo's ult with Jinx? Don't think he actually has the time winder yet. He went back in time, but Jinx was unaware of it. I thought his, at least in the the game, <laughs> his ultimate works in such a way that, you know, he goes back in time, but not everything goes back in time. So the person he's still against is aware that he's gone back in time. I'm giving you such a look right now. This is for our audience to know that I'm giving you the stick guy. <laughs> First of all, game mechanics do not translate into narrative mechanics. If you watch any of the Echo cinematic trailers, especially Seconds, you will know that he's literally... Turning time back. Oh, yeah. He's the only I, one who remembers what happens. Okay, I remember he that He turns now. time back. I remember that now. Fine. What, what would he, that, that wouldn't even make any sense. He goes back in time and you know that he went back. Like, what does that accomplish? <laughs> that you learned the exact same thing he just learned, so he doesn't gain anything from this. Oh, it, it would be OP. <laughs> that would be terrible. This is the worst tower. I fought you. You won. So I reversed time. You now have the knowledge of how you beat me. I have the knowledge of how I lost to you. Let's fight again? What? In League of Legends, it's really good. Quite OP, if you ask me. Uh, it's whatever. <laughs> I Getting back to our carrying the story. That's why that fight is weird. Because I think they took a lot of artistic license and did a lot of fun stuff. But again, very fun to watch. But in terms of like, what is it telling me about the story? I would be curious to, to hear from people who have not played League. What do they think is happening? Because there's, there's things that are happening paralleling their when they were kids playing this game versus now, but they're doing a time thing, which to a league person would be like, oh, did he just chrono break? But no, because he doesn't have the device. Like, he doesn't have it, right? So it's just a weird... You have the stopwatch. I have stopwatches. They don't take you back in time. You have a bad stopwatch. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe I'm wrong, and he does, in fact, have it, but I think that if he had the chrono break thing, he would have been using it a lot more than just that one moment. It's like the stopwatch you get before Zanya's. Once you use it once, it breaks. Raph. This is completely breaking down. (laughs) All logically makes sense. (laughs) If you just look at the game. Makes sense. He did throw it and it snapped when he threw it on the ground and his thing, so it was a broken stopwatch, yeah. Arc three. (laughs) Um, By mid to end arc three, I started liking by again, but... Act 2, and like a little bit of the start of Act 3, she was just moping around. Just walking around being like, oh, I want my sister. Oh, I understand, obviously, she wants to get her sister back. I'm not saying anything she's doing is out of character or weird, but I'm saying it was pretty boring to watch. <laughs> my yeah. sister, oh no, powder. She's powder. No, she's jinx. No, she's still powder. Come back. Oh no, I helped you. Oh no, someone kidnapped me. Again. She got kidnapped so many times. Hit the show. But I got kidnapped once per arc. Who? But Marcus kidnaps her, end of act uh, one. At the end of act two, Echo kidnaps her. At the end of act three, after she just beats Savika, Jinx kidnaps her. 
Wow. She's got a problem. <laughs> she needs to solve this problem. <laughs> yeah, actually, we want to just dive. We want to start with the topside stuff. Jace kicks out Heimerdinger. Yeah. I feel sad for Heimerdinger. Feel sad for him, but also don't really care. Wow. Uh, Jace deciding to take action with Fi was kind of cool. I mean, I enjoyed the whole hit of him having the hammer and she having the. Okay, I had a, I had a grab with that scene. So. What? Jace has been freaking a scientist. He's been, you know, plugging away, doing his calculations, doing his hex tech stuff. And then he just shows up in the middle of combat versus shimmer empowered people in mech suits and starts beating them. I'm like, when? Since when? When? Who taught you how to fight? I know you've been, I know you're jacked, but being jacked does not equal being able to defeat trained combatants. <laughs> I'll say two things. He comes from a family of people who use hammers right so he comes from a family that you know and you, you see him actually being a blacksmith there for a while like he does do stuff i'm not he's saying he's not physically fit i'm saying there's a difference between being physically fit and being able to fight people who are doped out and my immediate reaction when i saw vi and jace about to go into a fight was vi has more experience but jace just has this overpowered weapon right now Right, that's the idea. Like, so he a lot. A lot of what he did was just because his hammer is super powerful. I mean, when he like switches into, what's the mode? Oh my god, hammer form and what form? I forget. Oh my god, huh? It's not like I didn't literally play Jay Z yesterday. <laughs> he should have used the gate thing though. Acceleration gate. Yeah. Acceleration gate to improve his. It seemed key. like he was using it. The figure he was pretty big. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, he. When he switches to that form and starts blasting away, great, great stuff. But it's the in hammer mode when the first of all these guys just like blitz out and take out his entirety of his enforcer people within there, and then they start attacking him and he's like dodging their swipes, hitting them with a hammer. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Who taught you how to fight? Who taught you how to fight better than all your guards? Get out of here! Yeah. That was just like a this is the character from the game moment. That was cool. But I was like narratively. You guys have not earned this. You have not actually earned Jace doing this. Yeah, I feel like at that fight, Vi would have won if they did fight. I guess probably, yeah. Narratively speaking, like you said. Yeah. Even though he has the advantage of having that super loaded hammer. Yeah. Also, something really quick that I thought, again, was part of the pacing issues was Mel talks about countermeasures, and then very quickly after, he has this hammer. Which tells me, you did you have the schematics for this massive weapon this entire time? I guess so. It seemed to come out of nowhere to me. What? He comes from a family of hammers. Yes, they make collapsible pocket wrenches. <laughs> to turn that into a super weapon that shoots out blasts, it seems like you definitely had to have thought about this before. You definitely had to have been planning this for a while. I liked it. I liked it. Just didn't think it made a lot of sense. Let's we can move on from that. He kills a child. Yeah, I really appreciated how that played out because when sorry, <laughs> I was about to. I, I really appreciate when children die. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were about to say I really appreciate how Arcane just kills children. <laughs> it's just what I look for when I consume media, you know. I when he goes down and he's you know. Understandably feeling regretful. He's like, you know, oh, you know, we've crossed the line. I don't want to do this anymore. Realizing how dangerous it can be. And Vi comes in and she's like, this is nothing. At first I was like, whoa, Vi, there's a dead child there. Can you be a little bit sympathetic? But then she keeps talking. I'm like, actually, you're making a lot of sense. You know, one dead kid is like, yeah, kids are dying every day in the, in the underground. Like, this is not a new thing at all. And just because you finally saw one die by your hand, they've been dying indirectly by your hand anyway. I was like, you know what, Vi? Good job. You, 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 you talked the good. <laughs> you talked the good. You talked the good. <laughs> it's another one of those scenarios where I felt like I understood both point of views. I understand both what they're going through and both of their decisions. And it's just sad that they don't align. Yeah. I want to, we need to definitely talk about more or less the last scene because that's Absolutely. accumulation of all the characters. Yeah. Right before that, let's talk about Victor. Okay. I love Victor. And I prefer whatever he's doing to whatever Jace is doing. I really appreciate that he's he's dying, but 
in his head. It's not about him. It's about getting stuff done so that he can help help people like him. And that great line he says, you know, in the pursuit of greatness, we forgot to do good. Um, where he just gets, you know, he goes to see Sage. He just gets a little bit, just a little bit corrupted and starts using the, the gemstone for some unsavory things. And what I was not sad about was Sky dying because, once again, you could have hit that same emotional beat without that character death. Because that character showed up, I think the episode before, or two episodes before, and was like, I think Victor is cute, and then walked away, and I was like, okay, that was random, and then showed up again, was like, I still think Victor is cute. Oh no, Victor, what are you doing? Now I'm dead. I'm just like, what the, what the hell is that? What was the point of that? Yeah. <laughs> you could have had him regret this without just having this random person die. Um, so I saw a poll on YouTube, mm-hmm. and by far, by far, people's favorite character was Victor. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I can see it, though. I, it is, because, well, and I, I don't know why there's hate against Jace, because I understand that he's put into a difficult situation, and if you understand the themes and problems that are coming out, like, the man is put into a position where he's going to make decisions you don't like. That's... The life of politics, in a way, even if you care. You like Jace? I like Jace. Are you sure you don't just like playing Jace? Yeah. <laughs> He's not my main. Uh, Jace in this show is extremely, to me anyway, he's an extremely unlikable person. He's, because he's, uh, he waffles, that's the thing. He's He waffles his way to the top by just being pulled left, right, and center by other people's opinions. It's like he doesn't have a thought in his own head. And the entire time he keeps looking for shortcuts and a short way out. I mean, maybe a, bit, a little bit too harsh, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> he had arcane, so the, the gems. He was working on gems. I'm not saying he, his, he. I'm saying narratively, he, he's not. He hasn't figured out the arcane stuff, the hex tech stuff. So actually, let's start. We can uh, try and do this quickly. We start off. He's doing magic stuff. Hammer says no. Then he goes. And he's like, no, I'll do it. And we're like, okay, that's some character. You're a little bit rebellious. But then he's like, oh, no, it didn't work out for me. What can I do? And Victor shows up. He's like, that's what we'll do. And he's like, okay, let's do it. And he does it. And then they make some some hex tech stuff. And then we go to the next arc where Mel just politically makes him on the council. Like, that's all Mel's play. That has nothing to do with him. Mel put him in that position. Why is it relevant? But she put him in that position. Now he's here. And what does he do? Continues to waffle. Mm-hmm. Hammer's like, don't you know, don't uh, put anything on progress there because this is not safe yet. Victor's like, let's do it. He picks one of them. He's like, oh, actually, no. And then later on, he still goes forward with, with uh, just making some reckless choices. Then stuff gets stolen and he's like, he backtracks. Then even when he gets Act 3, like, he's feeling bad. Oh, do we split? Do we not split? Uh, Vi shows up. She's like, let's go kill some people. He goes, he kills the baby, he's like, oh, I don't like this. Like, he's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And like, it's like, Vi suggests something, he does it. Victor suggests something, he does it. Hyman suggests it. Melted. People just keep suggesting some stuff to him. And he just keeps being influenced. And he, he re- rarely feels like he's making a choice on his own. And when he actually does, is by the end, he kills the kid. And he's like, this is dumb. I don't like any of this. And he's like, you know what's a great idea? Let me send a letter to Soko without consulting any of the council. And I'm going to broker a piece with Soko where we split Zorn and uh, Peltover, and then I'll go let the council know, which, A, is not a nice thing to do. No. Because this is the council. You're supposed to communicate them. You cannot just make these kind of sweeping statements without them. But also, B, that is terrible. Like, putting Silco in charge of Zorn is not good for anyone. So he's basically just given up, and he's like, I can't fix this problem, so just cut off. Just split it up, and I'll go do my own thing. The entire time, I'm just like, I do not like this person. Uh, like I can feel bad for you know being put in tough situations, but at the end of the day, like I feel like you don't really have a good bone in your body. <laughs> so you, you said waffle, but the interesting thing is, yes, he is told a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about it is, at the end of the day, he has to make a decision because there are con- conflicting things being told to him. Right? Like a small example is Heimerdinger says, "Don't announce new technology," and Victor's like, "We need to." you know, continue our pursuits in science, right? He hears both, and at the end of the day, he's the person on the on the podium there, and he needs to say what's going to happen. He does make a decision. Yeah. Why I sort of don't regard that is because 
he does make a decision, of course. People are suggesting things, and he has to be the final person who says, I'm doing this or I'm not doing this. But he says, I'm doing this. And then literally the next time he has a decision, he backtracks. It's like, yes, people are suggesting things, but he himself, when he's making decisions, is backtracking on things he's done, swapping left, swapping right. Like he's not consistent. And again, if I'm being charitable, I'll be like, well, his character's conflicted, yada, yada, yada. There's character reasons. I'm not saying this is an unreasonable way for him to act. But I'm saying it's doesn't make me like him. There's no core, you know, I know who Vi is. She might waffle a bit, but like at the end of the day, I know what Vi is, Vi is all about. Whereas Jace, if you spent the past weekend with Mel, I know what kind of decisions you're gonna make. If you spent the last weekend with Victor, I know what kind of decisions you make, and those two decisions are not the same decision. You are very, very influenced by other people. <laughs> he took out Heimer. That was his idea. Good job. You took out Heimer. See how it all worked out for you. <laughs> I'm just, well, yeah, part of him is finding that identity, and that's why I think he's interesting, because the theme is most prevalent. The the, the complexity of, of the theme is most prevalent in him, because he's put into a place of power, and he's young, and so he's not sure what to do, and you're seeing that no matter what choice you make, whether you decide to play the slow game, whether you decide to play the fast game, whether you decide to use violence, whether you decide to use contracts... No matter what you choose, something bad is going to happen. You can't stop life. There isn't a perfect solution that just ends everything and every, people just have peace. It, no matter what you do, a, a child is going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fairly certain I can make myself some eggs without killing a child snap. <laughs> Sorry. That was like a half joke. But you get my point, right? Like, Soko as a leader isn't the greatest thing. But also, going into all-out war isn't the greatest thing either. There's, you have to make a decision, and none of them have 100% pros and zero cons, you know? I agree with that, but I also think that you need to pick a course and stick to it. I mean, of course, if the course proves to be tragic, course correct. Yeah. But you need to, for the most part, pick a course and stick to it. And he never, at least the way I feel, he didn't really do that. To me, he kept trying to take the course that, in the moment, seemed like the quickest way to yeah. a solution, and I don't appreciate that about his character. Vi is the same way. She's like, punch first. That's how she solves all problems, but it's consistent. That's what she does, whereas with him, it's not consistent. Like I said, again, I understand it. I just don't think yeah. he's a likable character. I don't like Jace. But apparently, I'm wrong, because you like Jace. So. <laughs> he might not be my favorite, but that's my uh, con confidential... Not confident. Conf what's what's the word when you, uh, un like people don't like your opinion or your controversial opinion. controversial opinion. Ah, we did it eventually. Cut, 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 cut. <laughs> that is my controversial opinion, Victor. Um, I like Victor. I don't think there's too much else to say. You know, he's got an interesting conflict. The entire time he's got a noble goal. Immediately, even at the it sets up at the start where he says. You know, or if you're going to make integrated innovations, you don't ask for permission, you ask for forgiveness. And you, you, so that sort of sets up the, he's doing a lot of things for good reasons, but at the end of the day, he does make some questionable choices. And, you know, leads to killing someone and not being in a great place. And he's kind of getting more desperate as the show goes on. I don't know, I enjoyed his character, but I don't have a ton to say about him. Like, his overall themes. Want to talk about that final scene? Let's talk about that final scene. <laughs> Is there anything to say about that final scene? It was pretty whatever. Well, I guess leading up to it, I liked Silco. At the first episode, you, you see him at the end and you're like, ah, a bad guy with a scarred face, a James Bond movie, classic. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he actually, like you said, at no point do they just depict him as full power. There are times where he is in, in full power with a specific person, mm -hmm. but at no point is he ever completely in control. Even with in the third uh, episode with Vander, there's push and pull. He is a genuine person who struggles, yeah. right? He has weaknesses. He does have fear. He might be able to control his fear, but he has fear. I, uh, I appreciate that he ended up pretty much in the same place that Vander ended up. That was a nice uh, symmetry. Yeah. It's a great, great word. Love using that word, symmetry. Um, yeah, Vander is... Not quite the same, but like Vander, you know, goes for violence and then, you know, brokers peace in, in his own underground shady way. And then Soko's like, I don't like any of this nonsense, scraps it out. And then 
end of the day, say I broke her a piece, and it gets ruined because of jinx. Yeah. <laughs> Both times. <laughs> you jinxed it. Um, I liked his talk about water. There In the first arc, he's like something about water and water being quiet. Mm-hmm. And all the time, he's like going deeper into water. I'm like, bro, drowning is not fun. <laughs> and, and then they, they actually cover that. It like... 10 seconds later, he's like drowning hard and like water is also turbulent or something. And I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for getting there. Um, I thought it was a bit on the nose. I'm just being nitpicky at this point, but you know, there was a chair with the word jinx on it. There was a chair with the word powder on it. I was like, this is a bit on the nose. (laughs) Uh, But overall, I appreciate that scene. I I have a question for you. Do you actually think that Silco would not have turned her in. I know he says that as he's dying and stuff, but part of me thinks, wouldn't you have though? I think it's similar to Savika. It seems like there's a point in which, you know, they might make that decision, but they don't. I, it's weird because they also show him catching a gun. Like, as he before, right before Jinx shoots him, he's like trying to reach for a gun. Yeah, he's trying to shoot Vi. He's trying to shoot Vi and shut her up. Yeah, because yeah. is like, remember my life, remember this person. Okay, I wasn't, for a while there, I was wondering, like, is he trying to get the gun to shoot Jinx? But by the end, I'm convinced that he wholeheartedly, even though he's manipulative towards her and stuff and controlling, he saw her as a daughter. And even though she's crazy and stuff, he saw her as somebody who is not broken, which can have bad effects, to be honest, if you see a broken person is not broken, but, you know. Yeah. This is the moment where I felt that some of my concerns about Jinx's insanity was a little bit resolved, where I felt like she was using that insanity as a mask. Mm-hmm. And especially when she's talking to Vi and she's like, just shoot her and you can have powder back. That is straight up emotional manipulation. You cannot have powder back. Powder does not exist anymore. I am a different person now, but she's like playing that card and she's... She's, like, trying to manipulate Vi to get what she wants. And, again, saying manipulation doesn't necessarily mean they're, like, cold and calculating. Like, people can just be manipulative, even when they might genuinely have attachments to the person or or what's going on. That was the moment I felt like that she was using, you know, this, like, powder Vi thing, this, oh, I'm crazy thing, as, like, a weapon. Yeah. It was, overall, it was good. Yeah. And then Super Mecha Death Rocket. Her ultimate. So, as that, the entire scene was beautiful. And then the rocket hits. And you know what I thought? Jace is now going to go back on what he did. No, I thought, how are they going to open season two? Because somehow they're going to have to... People who who play League of Legends know that 100% you did not just kill Jason Victor. No way in hell did they just die. But for the casual audience, you just bombed that building. I didn't survive. Because some of those people have to have survived. How? How did they survive? Um, Mel might have something. But her, her little armor thing kind of glowed. Yeah. Indicating maybe she has some armor stuff. I can imagine that Jace, like, I don't know, does he have the hammer with him? Just, can he just, like, quickly pull out the hammer and do something? It's all very sketchy. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it, and I'm like, you guys, it can end up being fine, but you guys need to be real careful how you open season two. <laughs> I, I have two solutions, actually. All right, let's see how... Rise is going to ult them away, teleport them away, oh or the Bard ult. Boom. Alright, moving on. <laughs> what? You don't think Bard will be in Season 2? Bard, the cosmic vagabond, shows up to deal with this petty squabble. <laughs> that's that's my hint to, to League of Legends and Arcane. I want Bard for Season 2. <laughs> you actually want Bard? I don't think Bard can exist in a story with other characters. Have you seen, you've seen the Bard cinematic, right? Yeah, I, I still don't completely understand him, but... He fixes large-scale problems. If Thanos was about to snap, do the snap, Bard would show up and take the gauntlet and leave. That's it, right? Like, in that cinematic, it's like someone's doing some magic thing that's, like, about to destroy everything or whatever, and there's also people dying, and Bard shows up, takes the thing, and leaves. He literally does not care about anything else. It's like, large-scale, I need to stop this bad thing from happening... People can die. Does not actually concern me. <laughs> okay, fine. Cause he has he cosmic concerns. Fine. I want a really soul. 
Also a cosmic concern. <laughs> wow, we've been going on, so... Yeah, we've been going on for a while. Uh, who's your favorite character? What was your favorite fight? What was your favorite moment? Do you have that already? Because you can go first. My favorite character, I already said, was Savika. Just, I don't know, I just enjoyed her too much. Favorite moment, most emotionally hitting moment was obviously the jinx blowing up at killing her friends, but just favorite moment in general has to be Jinx vs. Echo, because I've definitely watched that too many times. But a good runner-up is Mel's mother saying, I have to sample the local cuisine. <laughs> Great line. <laughs> that character just showed up and just like stole the show. Everything she did, I was like, you just keep doing more, man. <laughs> I forget last favorite time. fight. Favorite fight. Oh, well, Jinx and Dead vs. Echo is my favorite fight, so. Um, I think my favorite character was Silco. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite fight was Jason Vi. And I think my favorite moment would probably involve something with Silco or Vander. Power does not come to those who are born with it or who work hardest or whatever he says. Power comes to those who are willing to do anything to achieve it. Is that it? No? Not mm-hmm. that one? I like that, but no. It's one of the ones where it doesn't seem like a lot is happening, I think. Mm-hmm. Where it's just a conversation, but the, the, the dialogue to me was so good that I just like, wow. I don't know which one. We can probably keep talking about this, but we should probably stop talking about this. We should stop talking about this. Today's sponsor, <clears throat> um, there is 500 RP. If you like, like and subscribe to all our channels, you'll get... Uh, Five five hundred five thousand five thousand RP. Five thousand RP. RP. Go buy the latest skins. Um, this video is brought to you by League of Legends, literally, because <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't exist without it. Um, how do we rate Arcane? First of all, what are we gonna rate Arcane out of? I feel like every single time, I really liked the the Star Wars rating. I think we need to pick a different thing every time. Rate it a character in League of Legends to be thematic. Jinx. No, okay. a, a jinx out of a jinx out of 120. <laughs> Definitely not a Master Yi, because if you're playing Master Yi, no. all you have to do is do a Q, so this, this show was definitely better than a Master Yi. I, I wanna give this a Zaya. It's got complexity and there's like there's like a lot of skill involved, but can also be very straightforward. Mm. It's also like very flashy. Okay. And, and fun. I'll give it I'll give it a Zaya. I haven't played Zaya, but <laughs> I would probably just give it a close, another 80 carry like Caitlyn. Give this one to Caitlyn. All right. Well, that finishes our time uh, for today, folks. Get out of here. Scram. Go, 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 get, 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 before I punch you in the face. Want to play League of Legends? <laughs>